Welcome to the Ranking Things Podcast, a production of Jason Davis VoiceOver. Please visit jasondavisvoice.com for information about voiceover services for commercials, internet and corporate videos, e-learning, phone messages, and more. I'm Jason Davis. And I'm Eric Wright. Each episode, we're going to choose a topic to rank and defend our choices. It's the podcast where you can be part of the conversation. Email us, rankingpodcast at yahoo.com, or tweet at Jason Davis Voice. Eric, we're going to do uh, kind of an interesting subject for this episode. I think this is a super fun subject, and I think it's something that a lot of people can relate to. Especially people in our age group. Well, yeah, and I'm real curious to see where you and I stand um, okay. as far as our choices, because you know we're basically a, a very similar demographic, but there's so much subject matter oh my to God. pull from. I actually woke up this morning and I went, you know what? I got to make a change to my top five, and I did. Mm-hmm. I I did too this morning. Oh, okay. Interesting. So this episode, we are going to run down the top TV theme songs. And because there are so many TV theme songs, we're limiting this episode to TV theme songs with lyrics. And I'm so glad we're doing that. Yeah, because down the road, we'll do instrumental theme songs and maybe even do an episode of cartoon theme songs. Oh, definitely. So what do you got for number five? So my number five is The Big Bang Theory. Oh, okay. I friggin' love the show. Okay. And I think it's just a really cool, fun song. You know, mm-hmm. it's by uh, Bare Naked Ladies. It's not really a narrative of the show itself, but like a narrative of the title. Okay. One of the lines I really like, they kind of narrowed down the whole existence of humanity. <laughs> You know, into like, we built a pyramid, we built a wall, we built the pyramids, math, science, history. It's like, wow, and those five things, they're grabbing the entire existence of human beings. And here I like, you know, have a problem just like narrowing down, you know, songs or shows or something, you know. (laughs) So uh, I just think that is uh, super fun. Just the topic. Somebody came up to you and said, yeah, write a, you know, 15, 20 second song about the Big Bang. I, how? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how. And I think they do a great job of it. And actually, if you read the lyrics to the other choruses, the words are really, really good. Okay. Good choice. I like that you were able to find a newer show <laughs> that had something. Yeah. And there are some. Uh, there's some other cable ones uh-huh. that are, you know, in my honors. Okay. So what's your five? Number five for me, The Greatest American Hero. Oh, Believe yeah. it or not, I'm walking on air. So performed by Joey Scarberry. By the way, a top 40 hit for 18 weeks, peaked at number two on the Billboard charts. I can right. honestly say mm-hmm. I had a 45 of that song. I'm pretty, I'm almost really? 100% sure I had a 45 of that in the early okay. 80s. They even did a parody of it on, on an episode of Seinfeld. Remember with uh, George's answering machine? Oh, that's right. What do you got for number four? My number four is it's Gary Shandling show. Oh, wow. Okay. Because that was a really unique show. Basically, it turned the TV around and where, you know, Gary, it was his life and he's talking to the audience. The theme is very basically, this is the theme to Gary's show, the opening theme to Gary's show. Mm -hmm. This is the music that you hear as you watch the credits. Gary called me up one day and said, do you want to write my theme song? And it explains the the show itself that you're going to be in for something different. There's my four. How about you? So number four for me is a Netflix series, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. 
No, I love Kimmy Schmidt. Oh, such a great show. So much fun. Ellie Kemper is fantastic. She is. The whole cast is great, but she is so Mm -hmm. adorable and she's so good on the show. The show was created by Tina Fey and Robert Carlock, who created Mm -hmm. 30 Rock together. Right. And it's the same kind of humor, very sort of quirky, very Mm -hmm. sharp, very smart, just so well done. Yeah, and just yeah, the idea of a group of women being down, you know, the mole women. Yeah, the show, you know, I, I mentioned 30 Rock. Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt was originally supposed to be a mid-season replacement on NBC, 2014-2015 season. Mm-hmm. And um, for whatever reason, it just didn't fly. Netflix picked it up with a two-season commitment after NBC decided not to roll with it. Okay. And the theme song is actually based on a viral video, Bed Intruder it was called, and it was created by a couple of guys called the Gregory Brothers. They were commissioned by Tina Fey and Robert Carlock to kind of <laughs> put together something like that for the show. And, and yeah. uh Tina Fey's husband, Jeff Richmond, uh, who did all of the music for 30 Rock, also wrote the music for the theme song. Great show, though. It's a great show. I think it's a great theme song. With oh, the it's whole, fantastic. Yeah. Unbreakable. <laughs> She's alive, damn it. Yeah, it's, it's, so ca- it's a definite earworm, for sure. Oh, have you watched the entire video of the song? That's great. The very first episode of the show kind of has the full version of the theme song with the stutters and all that kind of stuff in it. Yeah, it's very unique. It was almost on my five. All right, what do you got for number three, my friend? dun 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 Oh, okay. Because many reasons. First of all, the ability to put in lyrics stuff like they're serious and spooky, altogether ooky. Mm -hmm. Come on. That's genius. The house is a museum. When people come to see them, they really are a scream. Exactly. Come on. Gather with your shawl on, a broomstick you can crawl on. It just doesn't get any better than that. Yeah. Good stuff. The simple... I mean, who doesn't know to... Exactly. And that, and of course, now it's played at sports stadiums all the time and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, with the movies, it kind of kept that whole thing going. And even last night, playing volleyball, most of the people on the team are my age, but we've got this 23-year-old girl, and we were talking a little bit about it, and I said, oh, yeah, I'm doing The Addams Family. And she just went... <laughs> I was like, there you go. So even a 23-year-old knows. I mean, this show has been... I mean, it's a black and white show yeah. from... Was it the early 60s? Yeah, probably. And and she knows of it. So I thought it's a really just a, a cool choice. I think I also just had a thing for Morticia. Uh, <laughs> I was I was too young to really understand what that tingling in my loins was all about. <laughs> but just, I guess, you know, the long black hair and the long form-fitting black dress and uh-huh. the way she's kind of scooted around because her feet were like bound in that that dress it always comes back to that doesn't it yeah it, it, yeah <laughs> unfortunately That's, but i'm a guy you know i know what happened. i know i mean would it have been better if i said oh no it's uncle fester sucking on light bulbs That's what <laughs> no i don't think that'd be any better though he was pretty funny and that was written by uh vic mizzy who also did green acres oh okay Okay. Another pretty classic theme song from that era. Yeah. And that whole era, like we're talking about, late 50s, 60s, so many good songs from Mm -hmm. that era. So that just makes it hard for this list. Yeah, absolutely. So you're three. Number three for me, uh, big show in the 1990s. 
the theme from Friends, I'll Be There For You by the Rembrandts. I'll be there for you. Yeah, Kathy and I, we were big fans. It was such a big deal. It's like all six of them. Well, you know, one of them can make more money than the other. But, you know, he said no because they're an ensemble. They were one of the first casts like that that did that, where they, they kind of had yeah. the solidarity and they, they went in and negotiated together that we're all going to get, you know, a lot of money or we're going to walk. I think that's great. Yeah, it's awesome. And it, and I think that showed on the show. They really seem to all really enjoy being together and working together. So, uh, yeah, we were big fans of the show. There's some cool uh, stuff about the song. So mm-hmm. Friends executive producer Kevin S. Bright wanted something different with the theme song. Yeah. And he was going for a, a melody and tempo that was kind of similar to R.E.M.'s 1987 song, It's the End of the World as We Know It. Okay. And he was a fan of the Rembrandts from some of their mm-hmm. other records, so he called their manager. Yeah. The group got together in the studio with the song's writers, Michael Sklough and Ali Willis. He tweaked the lyrics a little, and then they recorded mm-hmm. the song. And then it kind of had a little bit of a journey beyond the show, too. So Charlie yeah. Quinn mm-hmm. was a program director at a Nashville radio station, Y107. He looped the original 45-second version of the song a few times, creating right. a three-minute pop song, which he played mm-hmm. on the air. And then it started to get requests, which oh, yeah. is nuts, for a, especially right. for a TV theme song. Yeah, and then yeah. all the sister stations started playing it. Next thing mm-hmm. you know, it goes national. Now, the Rembrandt's album at that time was mm-hmm. already finished, and they had yeah. sent advanced copies out to radio stations. Okay. The record company, East West Records, said, hold on a second. We got a huge <laughs> hit on our hands. Oh, crap. So they actually went in and recorded a full version of the song and then added it to all the other versions of the album that came out. Oh, okay. You have the version of the album without the song. Is it like worth a million dollars? I don't know. But the only people that probably have that are advanced copies that were shipped to radio stations. So there probably weren't that many made. I'm Mm -hmm. guessing. I mean, aside from, I mean, well, it depends on how many radio stations uh, they would have sent to. But yeah, I mean, it's probably a, a cool rarity. To find a yeah. copy of that album without the, the song on it. But the song ended up spending eight weeks at number one on the Billboard chart, too. Wow. So, I got so sick and tired of that song. Well, I think I, we all I did. I agree with your choice, but... Yeah, I mean, yeah, you that, can't, you can't have this crazy. list without mentioning it. It's an honorable mention for me, so... Okay. What do you got for number two? Number two is from... Remember the show, The Jeffersons? Of course. We're moving on up. Moving on up. <laughs> Written by Jeanette Dubois. Okay. I chose The Jeffersons because lyrically, it's got a positive message about kind of pulling yourself up mm-hmm. out of poverty, overcoming that. And it's also kind of a narrative because they're, you know, living in the sky. Mm-hmm. You know, they got a piece of the pie. I also thought George Jefferson was just one of the, the funniest <laughs> characters ever created. And... As a kid watching the show, I never really understood what honky meant. <laughs> like, since that when he said it, I thought it was hilarious. Ah, <laughs> oh, racism used for comedy. Gotta yeah. love it. Yeah. One thing I, I thought was interesting, the biracial couple mm-hmm. in the show. Yep. The woman that played the wife. Roxy Roker. Do you know who her son is? Yeah, Lenny Kravitz. Lenny Kravitz. So apparently the story when she was trying out for the show Mm -hmm. after her audition, they liked her and they said, well, you're going to be working with a white man as a married couple. How do you feel about that? And she took out a picture of her family and her her husband's white. And she's like, well, here's me and my husband. What do you think? And so there you go. She was golden. So that's it. How about your number two? Number two for me, where in the world is Carmen Sandiego? Holy crap. Where did you pull that one out of? You know, I am a huge fan of Rockapella. 
Okay. And I don't even know how I forgot this when I initially put the list together, but something must have clicked in my head. I woke up this morning and went, oh my God, where in the world is Carmen Sandiego? It's got to be on the list. And I'm laying there going, where's it going to go on the list? At first, I was just going to put it at number five and replace my original number five. But then I'm like, no, it's better than that. It's a popular song. Rockapella still does it in their live shows and and it gets a big response. Mm -hmm. And according to the National Academy of Recording Arts and Sciences, this is one of the most well-known themes in television history, too. The show ran originally from 1991 to 1996. Okay. And I remember seeing Rockapella live, late 90s, early 2000s. Okay. And a lot of college kids were big fans because of the show. So they had this built-in audience of kids that grew up with the show that would come see them uh, play. But the song was written by Sean Altman, who was a member of Rockapella, and Mm -hmm. David Yazbek. And of course, Mm -hmm. Rockapella performed it on the show every day. This was the first game show, by the way, to air nationally on PBS. Okay. And it was created partially because a National Geographic survey showed Americans had an alarmingly low knowledge of geography. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. One, no surprise. One in four yeah. people couldn't locate the Soviet Union or the Pacific Ocean on a map. Oh, come on. Really? I'm just, I'm just reading come back on. what I found. I'm they just telling you what I found. People out of somewhere. I don't know. Each season, there were 65 episodes produced, and they were shown four times during the season. Okay. And the song has actually been spoof or referenced on a bunch of different shows: Saturday Night Live, The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon, and of course, okay. infamously, the Today Show's "Where in the World Is Matt Lauer?" segments. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I can't. I probably shouldn't bring up that name, but you know. No. I've it's a great never song seen too. The show. Nor have I've I ever seen the show. Nor have I. And. I'm honestly, I'm drawing a blank on what the song sounds like. When we finish recording, look it up on YouTube. All right. Homework. Okay. What do you got for number one? You know, my number one, I think it's a very typical one. I think it's kind of a, a letdown maybe that people would be like, oh, yeah, I would have expected something a little, you know, special from you. <laughs> but I'm just going with something that I love. Everybody knows it's Gilligan's Island. Okay. All right. I see your big smile. I mean, I'm smiling for a reason, and I'll tell you why in a second. Go ahead. Oh, gosh. Because Gilligan's Island, everybody smiles when they hear, when you just hear the word Gilligan. Of course. Um, Yeah, written by Sherwood Schwartz and uh, George Wiley Coyote, or just while. I'm not sure how it's pronounced. That's okay. The theme song is so good at just telling the story. Yep. There's actually some foreshadowing because it's saying, oh, it's a three-hour tour. <laughs> like, well, wait a minute. If it's a three-hour tour. Why are they packing so much shit? The- well, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, what the howls, man? And Ginger's got you know all the same sparkly dresses yep. and all that crap. And then there's suspense because the the weather started getting rough. Oh, it's, the mighty ship was taut. It's like, oh my god, the middle's going to be lost. But then oh, we have a key change. The <laughs> ground on the shore of this uncharted desert island. And remember, then they go into listing the crew members, or I mean, you know, everybody in the show. Come on. Listen, it's everything a theme song should be, Eric. I think it is. It's memorable. (laughs) It's upbeat. It tells you what the main thing is about. And another thing for me, and I think for just about every man out there, (laughs) it brings up the question that we wrestle with our whole lives. Oh, my God. I was just about to ask you that. What? Ginger or Marianne? or Marianne. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Now, Marianne. Every day for me. For me, no doubt. Yeah. All the time. All the time. I Only my cousin said ginger. 
I mean, listen, Tina else, Louise was beautiful too. But there's just something about a, a sweet, innocent farm girl yeah. with pigtails and cut off shorts. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, Marianne. Mm, so. Marianne. <laughs> down, Homer. Down. Take it easy. <laughs> so there's my number one. Not a surprise, probably. But I think well worth it. I think that's an awesome choice. And the reason okay. I started laughing and smiling when you said Gilligan's Island is because my number one is the Brady Bunch. Oh, okay. All right. Fair. Very Which fair. was also written by Sherwood Schwartz because he created that show and Gilligan's Island and also co-written by Frank Duvall. So the Brady Bunch ran for five seasons, 1969 to 1974. And I chose this for number one because like every person in our age group, I mean, who didn't grow up watching the Brady Bunch in reruns? Who didn't love Marsha? Marsha. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Who didn't laugh at Johnny game. Bravo? <laughs> <laughs> and all the great, like, you know, the great guest stars, Joe Namath, Davy right. Jones. It was just a fun show. Really stupid. How many one-liners can you quote from that show? Oh, my God. Forget oh, it. Oh, my nose. Yeah, we could be here all day. I mean, you know, the <laughs> thing about the show, too, was that, you know, I came from a, um, a broken family. My parents divorced when I was very young. They hated each other. They were always fighting and putting my brother and I in the middle. And the Brady Bunch represented the ideal family. You have mm-hmm. parents that love their kids. They're this big brood. They got the crazy housekeeper who's <laughs> getting it on with the butcher. You know. Yeah, exactly. Getting it on with the butcher. They, the movies really do a pretty good uh, oh, man. bit with that. I Holy think the Christ. first Brady Bunch movie was so well done. The way that oh, they, yeah. they recreated the family. How they, right. you know, they're the same family that we grew up with on TV right. in modern times. In the 70s. Oh my God, so right. funny. Yeah, you know, Marsha's so going to school wearing miniskirts. That's such a great choice. I mean, that show, everybody knows that show. In fact, the show, by the way, and this is very mm-hmm. interesting, since its first airing in syndication in September 1975, an episode of The Brady Bunch has been broadcast somewhere in the United States and abroad every day of the year. Uh, it's not a surprise. Even more than Gilligan's Island. Yeah. I mean, when you were laying sick at home, yep. when you're not in school, the whole day was filled with Brady Bunch and Gilligan's Island reruns. Sadly for the cast, they don't make money on that. You know, now actors and actresses, they make a ton of money on uh, residuals for the reruns and stuff. The original theme song was performed by the Peppermint Trolley Company in season one. I think what happened was uh, maybe one of the kids was singing the song on set one day. Yeah. Somebody heard, maybe it was uh, Schwartz heard, and, and they decided to have the kids record a version of the theme song for the rest of the run of the show. So Yeah, and that makes it. sense. A scene in the pilot episode, The Honeymoon, makes it clear that Mike Brady is a widower, but the right. status of Carol's first marriage was kept a secret. I always thought they were both widowed. She was divorced. Creator Sherwood Schwartz says they didn't mention the divorce on the show because it was very taboo at that time. Oh, she cheated on him. He came back like in a drunken rage and tried to choke her. And um, Bobby stepped in with his machine gun. And it was it was really something. I know you're fucking with me right now. You didn't see that episode, I guess. (laughs) No, I didn't. But, yeah, yeah. yeah the but, same one where Marsha was turning tricks. <laughs> Jesus. That was a great episode. <laughs> oh, my God. That's nuts. <laughs> Another thing, Robert Reed, of course, who plays Mike Brady on the show, hated the part. He hated being associated with that. He claimed that he only took the part because Sherwood Schwartz told him that the show would be a serious, boundary-pushing look at modern-day family life. (laughs) Robert Reed was actually written out of the show's final episode after he fought with Schwartz about the storyline. And the only reason that he didn't quit the show earlier before the show was canceled was um, he kind of had a little bit of sense of loyalty to the kids. He didn't want to do that to the kids. Well, that's good. By the way, Gene Hackman was Schwartz's original choice to play Mike Brady. Really? Yeah. 
actress Joyce Bolifant was so close to inking a contract to play Mrs. Brady that oh. she was uh, used in a lot of the screen tests with the kids for their auditions. Right. In fact, one of the reasons that Eve Plum was cast mm-hmm. as Jan was because okay. she looked a lot like Bolifant. Bolifant oh, went on to oh. play Murray's wife on the Mary Tyler Moore show and the mom of the oh, sick oh. girl on the flight in airplane. Oh, okay. Well, you know who was also slated to play Marsha was possibly going to play Marsha. Who? Whoopi Goldberg. Oh, come on, would you stop with that? Oh, sorry. Remember how they had the dog Tiger for like, yeah. you know, a few episodes and then all of a sudden Tiger was no more? Yeah. Sadly, the actual dog that played mm. Tiger, he was hit by a car and they tried to bring in a replacement dog that looked like him, but unfortunately wasn't trained well. <laughs> it just didn't work. But they, the reason that the doghouse remained on the set was because a studio light fell and burned a hole in the AstroTurf in the yard. <laughs> So they had to cover it up with the doghouse. Oh, my God. That's pretty pathetic. So what do you got for honorable mentions? I got a lot. Sesame Street okay. was very close to being on my top five, mm-hmm. along with The Muppet Show. Okay. Both are on my honorable mentions. Yeah. I mean, that was a great song that led into the introduction of yep. the guest star. So I thought that was great. I liked Rawhide. Now, okay. I didn't even know that was a show. You know, I'm a Blues Brothers fan, and mm-hmm. they did Rawhide. And mm-hmm. then my father told me, well, you know, Rawhide was an old Western, Western show. Yeah. I'm like, really? Mm-hmm. So if you listen to that, that is a really cool-sounding theme song. The lyrics are just really cool about the, you know, rolling, 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 keep the doggies rolling, yep. Rawhide, all that. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Um, I had the Brady Bunch. The Monkees, just mm-hmm. kind of there. Because that was a, a unique kind of show. and Yep, on um, my honorable mentions. They they yeah. could have been in the top five almost for me, too. Yeah, kind of. But, um, but I don't no, know. Maybe it's course. just like the so commercialism kind of got me. I don't know. Yeah, okay. Um, Welcome Back, Cotter almost oh, yeah. made my top five. Another hit song. Yeah. Two that I've seen on all other lists is Cheers. Okay. Everybody knows your name. Yep. Um, which I get. I mean, that's a very sweet song. It really sets the mood for you know why these people are at hanging out at this bar and stuff so mm-hmm. I, I do appreciate that all in the family mm-hmm. just you know the words to that song ring something back then and then i think they ring something a little different now um obviously they're you know the the couple singing they're longing for the older time you know he's saying boy the way glenn miller played mm-hmm. songs that made the hit parade <laughs> yeah, the gene stapleton she's saying and you knew who you <laughs> and he says, gals were gals and men were men. At that time, they're talking probably about, you know, hippie guys with the long hair. Right. You know, you knew you were a man. You knew you were a woman. Now, <laughs> is one, if there was a show. Oh, they couldn't do all in the family now. No way. But imagine if you did yeah. take, because now you'd be saying, well, this is like gender identity yep. we're talking about now. Yeah. So um, it, I, it'd be really interesting if a show could nowadays do something like that all in the family was notorious for pushing the boundaries and it was a hugely successful show and very well written it was brilliant and of course you know so many spinoffs from that show including one of the ones you mentioned in your top five there you go yep jefferson's family guys theme song is clearly uh, an homage to that oh yeah then you got some of your standbys like wkrp Mm -hmm. laverne and shirley Uh uh-huh 
Mr. Ed. <laughs> you gotta love Mr. Ed. I love Mr. Ed. A horse is a horse, of course, of course. Right. Yeah, Beverly Hillbilly. So uh-huh. I could go on with a few. How about you? A lot of the ones you mentioned are on my list, too. Another big one for me when I was a kid, because I lived in Florida for a few years, and it was a big show down there at that time. It was a big yeah. show everywhere, but down there especially. The Dukes yeah. of Hazard. <laughs> Just the good old boys. Good old boys. Yeah, so that was that was on my list. The Goldbergs is a new show that I think has oh, a great Goldbergs little. Goldbergs is great. Great yes. theme song, really short but great. Mm-hmm. Uh, good times. Adams family, Beverly Hillbillies, cops, cops bad boys, yeah. bad what boys. You gonna, yep. Yeah, what you gonna do when they come for you? Different strokes. Oh my god. Different strokes. Different strokes. Three's company. Oh, yeah. Come and knock on my door. Yeah. Uh, Gilligan's Island, I had Cheers, The Muppet yeah. Show, Laverne and Shirley, Happy Days, The Partridge Family, and All Partridge in the Family. Family. Oh, and Sesame Street and Batman. Sesame Street and Batman. Yeah. Okay. So, um, I mean, you know, the, the honorable mentions, obviously, it was like almost everything else. <laughs> we I know. Mention. Well, you know what? One that just dawned in my head mm-hmm. is, um, I can't remember the name of it, but it was um, Tootie. And oh, Facts of Life. Facts of Life. Yeah, which was a spinoff of Different Strokes. There you go. You know, so <laughs> they, you're just it. hitting that sweet spot of... 60s, 70s, uh, and 80s were, were really big for TV theme songs. Yeah. So much yeah. so that they have uh, CD collections of all these songs. Right. Well, this was a fun subject. Yeah, it was a good time. Hey, thanks for joining us. What do you think? What are your favorite TV theme songs? Let us know. You can uh, email us, rankingpodcast at yahoo.com or tweet at Jason Davis Voice. Remember, the Ranking Things podcast is a production of Jason Davis VoiceOver. Please visit jasondavisvoice.com if you need a voice for a commercial, internet and corporate video, e-learning, phone message, and more. I'm Jason Davis. And I'm Eric Wright. Thanks for listening to the Ranking Things podcast. Norm!